How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another day for another great study. So I hope that you got your Bibles, your notepads, and pens handy. Hope you got your tea, got your coffee. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Luke. So today we're going to be picking up where we left off, and we're at uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 11. <clears throat> so please take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And we see what uh, happened before this. Uh, we got to summarize before we continue on. And we see the calling of Peter. And we see the calling of Peter. Also the, the kind of the, a bit of an insight in the, uh, the weakness of Peter. We see his fear and his doubts and all that and how the Lord helped him showed him the grace of our Lord was upon him and the Lord did not forsake but the Lord taught the Lord forgives and we see in verse 8 Simon Peter falling down at Jesus knees and begs of him for forgiveness he confesses that he's a sinner calls Christ his Lord and then we see Jesus actually blessing Peter and saying fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men we see the Lord now there's something else has happened here. What happened to Peter between between the verses here? What is the Lord saying? Who would the Lord call fishers of men as his disciples? But those that have gotten saved, those who are saved, and those who are the blessed of God, called of God, changed by God. So you see, Peter it was changed and called, saved, and the Lord called him as his disciple. So we see ourselves in the picture here in the story. So it's quite a, a powerful passage. And verse 11, when they had brought all the ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And we see the actual uh, the details there of what a disciple is. The difference between a Christian and a disciple. You can't be a disciple unless you're a Christian, but you can be a Christian and not a disciple. So <clears throat> can someone give me an example of... Uh, what would a Christian, not a disciple, look like? How would you describe a Christian, not a disciple? How would you go to explain that? Give me an example of what a Christian who's not a disciple would be like. How would you identify such an individual? What would be the the going markings of that type of person. <clears throat> so we see a Christian is someone who's born again saved. That, uh, that we can be inundated with the sheer amount of people like that. Okay, Kimberly says a person who believes upon Jesus that he is God and has paid the price for sin so that we could have forgiveness in eternal salvation. Yeah, but uh, what's the difference? Uh, what I mean, I'm sorry if I... Uh, but uh, well, what, what's the difference between a Christian, not a disciple? How, uh, so we, we know what uh, one is to be born again, saved as a Christian. So I guess I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm asking here is how to tell the difference between someone who's a disciple and someone who's not. They're both Christians. One's a disciple and one is not. How can you identify Christians who are not disciples? 
Well, to answer that, we look at, according to the Word of God, what do disciples do? What, what do disciples do? Disciples of Jesus Christ, as we, we can have Christians many, disciples few. A disciple is one who follows. Like you see the, the, the leader, you see the rabbi, you see the individual, and the individual has followers. Followers of that person. Jesus had many followers where they gave up of their life. They gave up of their wealth. They gave up of themselves and they followed after fervently, zealously. And they witnessed, they defended, uh, they helped, they lived with, they fellowshiped with, they spent all their time with, their entire being was taken up with this individual. And then they, then they would go out of their way to witness and to show others what this individual is about. So, a Christian who's not a disciple is someone who believes, but that's it. They go to church, sing the hymns, they have a Bible, but there's nothing in their life that is vocal about Christ. There's nothing in their life that speaks up. That they don't witness, they don't evangelize, they don't go out of their way to share the good news, they, they don't live unto Christ publicly, they're afraid to speak up publicly for the Lord. So think, think about this. The Lord calls and desires that all would be saved. But then it doesn't stop there. Yes, the Lord, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, and, and God commands all men everywhere to repent. But it doesn't stop there. He also has something else. Yes, He wants all to repent and believe the gospel, but then He wants all to abide in me and my words to abide in you. He wants you to live it. He wants you to be like the disciples. We see the twelve disciples and we see Mary and Martha and all the others and the entourage that would go where Jesus went. They would do what Jesus did. That they would back up and repeat everything that Jesus said. They lived it. You see, a Christian is one who believes. The disciple is one who lives it. That's the difference. That's the difference. Where you see the one believes it as true that they're born again saved but the disciple now lives it so we need to look at ourselves and this is where I, I would bring this in if the shoe fits examine yourself to see if you're in the faith this goes for all of us are we guilty of being Christians but not disciples? Are we guilty of not following the example that is left of us to be Christ-like in all things? Are, are we guilty of not living it? Now, how much do we live it? Now, what does that entail? Well, as scriptures say, in everything that you do, 
what why would we want to leave something out of this why would we not want to take Jesus with us to work why would we not want to share Christ to our co-workers why would we not want to demonstrate Christ in charity and help uh, to the poor and the sick and the needy why would we not want to praise Christ for everything and give him everything why would we not want to hand out the gospel tracts why would we not want to live unto Christ in everything that we do why would we not want to think about this just for a moment this is not meant to be damning or any of this kind of thing uh, Just this is just a a kind of a wake up uh, just to kind of grab us by the spiritual shoulders and give ourselves a shake just for a second just to shake the dust out of the raptors that uh, just to clear out the cobwebs is to wake up for a moment and to look at our lives are we living lackluster unto Christ are we failing to be disciples well what can we do we see Christ and his disciples have gotten up and they're starting to walk down the road we're still sitting we need to gather up our stuff and and boot it and catch up so how can we catch up stand up spiritually take a deep breath spiritually and start speaking out start witnessing start hanging out the track start uh, being bold about Christ you're bold about everything else on your social media for example start posting about Jesus Christ as your Lord God and Savior on your social media start being bold and unashamed about Christ in everything that you do start praising him and thanking him calling upon him pray unto him devote unto him read his word read it out loud whatever you can do do as unto Christ do for Christ in everything that you do forsake all follow him die unto self what good reason is there what good reason is there to not someone give me an example an excuse someone give me an excuse why we should not is there is there any valid excuse in the entire universe why you should not So you see, yes, we are called, as is the command of God, for everyone to repent and believe on Christ. It is the will of the Father that you believe upon Christ. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. So, yes, many do believe and many do accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. They repent of their sins and they believe the gospel. They're born again, saved, and dwelt and sealed by the Spirit of the living God. But that's where it stops. And there's no more fire. That they believe the gospel, but they don't really believe the rest of the story it just stops there like what would have happened if Moses met the Lord on Sinai at the at the burning bush and Moses believed the Lord and he was filled with the Spirit of God called of God but he didn't go to Egypt Joshua called of God anointed by God as the as the as the successor of Moses and he's now appointed as the leader of Israel they're about to go on the promised land but they don't 
You see what happens. Where's where's the demonstration of faith? Where's the power of faith? Elijah, the prophet of God, full, full of the Spirit of God, given the message, given the power, he goes to Israel to confront Ahab and Jezebel, but he doesn't. It kind of leaves the whole story dead, doesn't it? The, the, the faith is kind of dead. Yes, they're, they're still saved. Yes, they're still called. They're still sealed. But they've stalled. Their faith has stalled out. How, how do you fire up the engine again? How can you fire up the faith, fire up the passion, fire up the fervency? Go back to square one. It's like an old adage I, I read a while back. It says, when you feel like giving up, remember why you started. So go back to the beginning when you first got saved. I know many people don't like to think of this kind of thing, but this is what I do to keep myself, you know, in check. I'll, I'll spend a few minutes just kind of remembering my old life. I'll look at what I was, what I did. I'll let the disgust flow over me. I'll remember how horrible my sins were. The abominations and the the wrath of God that I built up against myself. And then I'll turn and I'll look at the cross and I'll, I'll see how the Lord saved me by his mercy and grace. And the debt that I have built up. Now, when I say debt, what I mean, what I mean is what I owe the Lord. For what he did for me by grace. Now, oh, as involuntary in that I love him so much. What he did for me. What I want to give to him in return. Go back. Look at what you once were. Look at what he did for you. Why would you not want to speak up for such a one who saved you by sheer mercy and grace? Why, in all that is holy, would you want to be quiet about it? Why, in, in for every excuse of the universe, what is there that, that could justify you staying silent? Not giving up your life for the Lord? So think of it. Jesus standing before Peter, offering Peter a different life. Something else. Peter forsook all and followed him. Why? Was Peter obligated? Did, did Peter have to give up that life? No. No. Did Peter have to give up all that fish? No. He chose to. Don't misunderstand the text, folks. Peter did not have to give up the fish. He did not have to give up that life. He could have gone home with all that fish and made a killing of a living there. 
But then riches are temporary. Life is temporary. Wooden ships rot. Things fall apart. This life falls apart. It breaks. Beauty fades. Money spends. Lives die. Health fades. Riches are spent. But Christ is eternal. Heaven is eternal. Peter saw this. He saw the power of God. The power of God, the Spirit of God standing before him and calling him, asking Peter to voluntarily choose to give up his life and follow him. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. Not every Christian is a disciple. So many Christians stay in the fishing boat. The vast majority of Christians stay with the fish. They say, oh, I believe I'll pray for you while the rest of you go. I'll be praying for you, but I'll stay behind. Prayer is good and powerful, and we need prayer, and there's nothing wrong with prayer. But why would you want to stay with the fish? Why? Well, because I'm fearful. The apostles weren't. <laughs> the prophets weren't. Which of the prophets did they not butcher mercilessly? Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You sure you, you, you sure you think that they weren't fearful? It's a fearful thing to stand for the Lord. It's a fearful thing to become the societal pariah. It's a fearful thing to take up the, 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 uh, the martyr's banner of being hated of the entire world, to be the arch enemy of the world, number one. It's a fearful thing. To be a witness, to be an evangelist, to be a missionary, to be a pastor, to be a teacher, to be a disciple. It's fearful. It's terrifying. It's downright terrifying. But it's worth it. And the Lord gives you the words. He teaches you. He helps you. He empowers you. He guides you. He gives you all the wisdom and the knowledge you need for all the thing. And he, he answers your prayers. He helps you. Why would you not want to live a life where you see the power of God manifested? Why would you want to stay with the fish? He forsook all. Well, how can we then in this life, in, in, a, in a sense, forsake the fish? What can I do to forsake the fish? How can I continue on with the Lord? As the Lord stands before me, holding out his hand, asking me to walk with him in this life. How? Well, this is where you stop living as unto yourself. Where the gospel of Jesus Christ is more important than relationships. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more important than your job. Christ is more important than money, health, wealth, power. More important than your home, than your car, than even your spouse, than even your kids. When Christ says forsake all, that means... He is more important to you than absolutely any single thing in this entire world. Why would you not want him to be so? 
Why would you want to set anything above Christ? Yes, um, uh, when in saying this is the most important, this is not saying that others are are less important. They're not important. Oh, they are. But as as high as you hold up your family, for example, Christ is higher. He's more important. Now you say that you may be saying Amen. You may be in, you may be agreeing. But is he? Words are cheap. You see, Peter could have stood with the fish and still called him Lord. You can still be born again, saved, and not be a disciple, but you're still saved, and he's still your Lord, your Savior, your God, your King, and you shout Amen to it, but you're not leaving the fish. You're not witnessing. You're not going out of your way. Your co-workers don't even know that you're saved. Your neighbor doesn't even know you're saved. The people at the market have never heard Christ come out of your mouth. You don't live unto it that, that nobody, anybody looking at you would not be able to tell really emphatically that you follow Jesus Christ. They may know you go to church. That's about it. They know you may have a Bible. That's about it. How long have they been near you, known you, worked with you, lived beside you as your neighbor? How long have you been in that family and, and they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ ever come out of your mouth in a form of, of sincere witnessing? A disciple takes the opportunity. They don't wait for someone to open the door. They kick open the door and drag opportunity inside, kicking and screaming. That's what disciples do. Disciples make opportunities. They go out of their way. They forsake the fish. They walk away from it. They give it up. That if this costs me my job, so be it. It's worth telling this individual the gospel of Jesus Christ at least once. Because I know the Lord will honor me for it, and I serve the Lord, and, and this person hearing the gospel is more important than a whole lifetime of servitude. I never want to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and ever have a single person look over at me and say, why did you never tell me? I don't know if I could be happy in heaven. I don't know if I could actually be happy in heaven having that way on my conscience that I could have spent so long with an individual worked with lived with known an individual and never given them the gospel and they look at me they look me square in the eyes on that day tears streaming down their face hellfire behind them the angels are dragging them towards the fire and they look at me and they scream why did you never tell me A disciple of Jesus Christ makes opportunities. A disciple of Jesus Christ takes the faith seriously. That it's something they see that is so serious, so important, that they can't, they can't but speak up. They have to. If I don't, I'll bust. He's so important. He's so meaningful. It, this is such a serious thing. It's not a game. It's not a lifestyle. It's not philosophy. It's not just something to play with. It's not something you set on your shelf. It's not bobblehead Jesus on the car dash. You can wear the hat, wear the shirts, and still never speak. You're not a disciple. You wear the hat. 
you wear the shirt, you have the bumper sticker, you carry the Bible. That doesn't mean you're a disciple. You sing the songs and you bounce around your car singing to the radio the Jesus songs. That doesn't mean you're a disciple. You carry, you carry the tracks in your pocket, but you never hand them out. You're not a disciple. You're a pretend. A pretender. You're still standing with the fish. You're so fearful of speaking up because someone might get mad or, or they might endanger your job. Is it not worth endangering for the gospel of Jesus Christ? People are on their way to hell because Christians refuse to speak up. Does the neighbor know who you serve? The disciple will make sure they know. A fearful a fearful Christian will stay silent because you're afraid of hurting the relationships. You're afraid of losing friends. You're afraid of offending. You're afraid of what society might say, what society might do. And not only just that, the devils will be doing everything within their power to make you stay silent. The devils will pour every single trick of hell upon you to make sure you don't become a disciple. The devils don't care if you go to church. Hey, the devils go to church. They don't have a problem with it. They don't care if you go to church. Devils do not care if you read your Bible and pray. The devils do not care if you carry a thousand tracks on you. They don't care if you go to the conferences and the revival meetings. They don't care as long as you do not apply it to your life. Devils don't care. They don't care how many YouTube videos you watch on all of this stuff. They, as long as you don't apply it to your life. You see, the devils, they try to stop you from being a Christian. And then when they see that they lost you, they're going to do everything they can to stop you from being a disciple. You see, Peter was is just a man. Like you and me, just a person. Now, it doesn't say it in the text. But, if I was a betting man, I would bet you anything and everything that in the moment, in the very moment that Jesus said, follow me, and invited Peter to follow him, I would bet you anything that Peter's mind immediately flooded with doubts, worry, fear, about his finances, about his home, his family, providing for his family, and about his, his job, and all this stuff, and friends, and family. What will so-and-so think? What will this so-and-so think? Because this is why Jesus says, fear not. In verse 10. All of the fears flooded their minds. And that's why Jesus says, fear not. A disciple is one who ignores the doubts and the fears and the worries and the stresses and all the things that will flood the mind. Oh, but what if, if, we, if we pour what we have into this to help out with this? You know, well, what about me later on? Fear not. Is the Lord not able to provide 
Is the Lord not able to, to you know, restore what was spent? Is he not able to give you the words with which to say and teach you how to pray and teach you where to go and what to do? Is he, is he not able? Has he ever failed you before? Is he going to fail you again? Fear not. A disciple is one who learns to fear not, learns to ignore the fears. Forsook all, followed him. Verse 11 has so, so much in just those few words. We fail to see it sometimes. We, when we read the Bible, we read the Bible, but we don't study it. We don't look at the words and we don't place ourselves there. When they had brought their ships to land, their ships of all of their livelihood, all of their substance, that everything that, that defined them, everything that was their identity that they had built and constructed and slaved in and everything they had worked for of their person of their respect of the people and everything else they brought it to land they gave it up they gave it up for jesus they gave it up for the calling of christ they stopped calling themselves fishermen they gave up their self-identity. They gave up their lives for the cause of Christ. That from this point forward, they were no longer known as those fishermen. They were now known as disciples of Jesus Christ. And they wanted this title more than any other. They wanted that when people heard of them, saw them, observed, observed stuff about them, that, they, that people would know who they serve. This is Peter, the disciple of Jesus. They forsook all, not some. You see, many Christians, they'll give up this part of their life. They'll give up this part of their life. They'll give up this part of their life. But they'll keep the rest. They say, Jesus, you can have this, this, and this, but I'm holding on to this. That's not a disciple. That's a pretender. That's a wannabe. I want to be a disciple, but I'm too fearful. I'm too fearful to give this up. I'm too fearful to step my foot out of the boat onto the water. Even though you told me to come to you, I'm too fearful to put both feet out of the ship onto the water. I'll put one foot on the water. But that's not what he said. He said, forsake all. He said, come to me. And Peter stepped both feet out of the boat onto the water and walked on the water. Obeying the Lord is obeying the Lord fully. How can you say you're obeying the Lord if you're not obeying the Lord fully? Is the child obedient to the parent if they're only doing part of what the parent said and they refuse to do the rest of what the parent said? Or can they be called an obedient child? Or stubborn? Can we be stubborn Christians? Fearful saints. Can the Lord use the fearful can the Lord bless the disobedient? 
If Peter had stayed with the fish and refused to follow Jesus, would he have been just as effective? It's possible that, you know, an individual like that, you know, there can be opportunities where, you know, they, the Lord could use it for something, but can they be used as powerfully? Can they be used as effectively? Think about it. You only want part of the blessing of God in a minuscule sense, or do you want all of the blessing? That the Lord will work with you, confirming the word with signs following, because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ who's willing to step out and put their head on the line. What does Jesus mean to you? What does he mean to me? Who is Jesus to us? You see, this is what it comes down to. It's honestly what it comes down to. How much you love him. If you truly love your spouse, you brag about them. You talk about them. You're proud of them. Do you truly love Jesus? It's easy to say yes. It's so easy to say it. How can you prove you love your spouse? How can you prove it? How can you prove you love someone? You demonstrate it. Your life demonstrates it. You spend time and you you help them. You you walk with them. You talk with them. You fellowship with them. You you want to you want to make them happy. You want to cheer them up. You do things for them. You work with them. So why don't we do that for Jesus in everything that we do? We 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 are joined with Him. His Spirit indwells us. How can we prove we love him? Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do as I say. If you love me, keep my commandments. What are the commandments of Christ? Go into all the world and preach the gospel as a commandment of God. Jesus says, if ye abide in me and my, and my words abide in you. It's so easy to say we abide in Christ, but his word does not abide in us. We missed that second part. What is the word of Christ? What is the word? If ye abide in me and my word. Let's take a look just for a quick second. That's John 15. Let's look at the words. If ye abide in me and my words. Plural. Abide in you. What are the words? What are all the words? What are all the words? What words would not abide in us? What words of this book can we just discard? None. So all of it then would apply to us for our learning. That we might be perfect. Thoroughly perfect unto all good works. We, we say we love the Lord, but do, do we in works dishonor him? Would it be dishonoring dishonoring to the Lord if the Lord stood before you and said, Would you follow me and be my disciple? And we're like, Oh, well, not right now. And may, maybe later. Maybe some other time. How would he feel? 
I want you to use your sanctified imagination. I want you to picture him standing right in front of you. I want you to look into his eyes and see his hand outstretched, asking you to be his disciple and follow him in everything that you do. And I want you to look at his face while you say no. I want you to look him in the eyes and say no and watch his reaction. It's easy to say no and refuse when we can't see him. But we know he's there. He's standing beside us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, even though we forsake him. It's easy to forget God when we can't see him. But this is where Jesus says, judge not after the appearance. We need to look with spiritual eyes, not, not eyes of the flesh. Use your spiritual eyes and see Jesus walking with you in everything. Standing beside you. How, how much of the day is he standing beside you, trying to talk to you, trying to have a conversation with you, trying to encourage you, and you ignore him? How much of the day do you snub Jesus, give him the cold shoulder, completely ignore him? You refuse to bring him into everything you do. How does he feel? We forget that. We forget that, that God has emotions and God can feel. How does he feel? You are his child. Let's say you are a parent. Maybe you are a parent. How do you feel when your kids want nothing to do with you? They ignore you, won't talk to you, won't spend time with you. They don't want to sit on your lap and they, and they don't want to go and do stuff with you. How do you, how do you feel when your kids ignore you? How do you think our Lord, how our Lord feels? He's our father. We forget the emotions of God. We're his children. We're his priests. We're his disciples. Where are we? You got to ask the question. And see, this is how I try to read the Bible. I, I bring these thoughts up. And I always like to ask myself the, these questions of why would you not want to? What if Peter stayed with the fish? What would have happened? How would it have changed the story? What if I was Peter? How would the Lord feel if I said no? If I refused? What does it mean to forsake all and follow him? To abide in him in all things? See, this is... What it means to study the Word of God is to meditate upon it and think of all the different circumstances, how it applies, the individual words that place yourself there. I want you to see it, hear it, feel it, smell it. I want you to put your hands on it. I want you to be there in it and actually live it. Live the Scriptures. Now bring it into everything that you do. This is what it means. Did you bring your ships to land? Or are they still out there and you refuse to bring it to Jesus? You won't pull it in because you want to try to keep it somewhere in your life as a reminder or something out there that you can go back to. No, pull it to land. 
pull it into land. Jesus is called the rock that's higher than I, the, the solid foundation on which we stand. Bring it to Jesus, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Bring it all to the Lord, your whole life. Now forsake it. Now forsaking doesn't mean literally getting rid of it. But giving it to the Lord for the Lord to use. That now he owns it. You no longer call the shots of it. It's no longer your car, your home, your property, your money, your food, your health, your wealth, your family. It's all the Lord's. You're just a caretaker. He calls the shots. You obey. You can't talk back. You can't tell him what to do about it. And you no longer think of it as your own. It all belongs to him. He can do with it whatever he wants. And whatever happens to it, that's his will. Because it's now his property. That's what it means to forsake. To give up ownership. That it's now the Lord's. Forsake it to Jesus. They gave up the fish to Jesus. He now tells them what to do with it. Jesus is now your boss, your God, your king, your owner. He's your everything. He's your Lord. You, and you want it to be this way. You choose to give up the fish. Because he's that important. It's that serious. It's that meaningful. And not just give it up to him. Now, follow him. And you, Jesus starts walking away. And you're walking with him. And you look back. And, you're, and the fish is getting further and further away. The, all of that money. All of that wealth. That whole life. And that ship. And it's all standing there. You remember it, what it was like. And the splash of the sea on your face. And you remember that. It's getting further and further. The anxiety. And there's people now milling around it. And there's and you have fears and doubts. And the Lord says, fear not. Keep following me. You've got to come to a point where you get over the anxiety of giving it up. Get over the anxiety of the fear of man. Get over the anxiety of what society might say and do. Get over it. For Jesus. Get over what other people might say and think. You're following Jesus. And anyone who would speak against that is obviously wrong. Why would you listen to the naysayers? Oh, you bet you better not get you know give this up because you know what if what if what if what if what if but Jesus said so. There's such a thing as what's called living by faith, folks. Living by faith. But the word of God teaches the epitome of what it means to forsake all and follow him. Where you throw your life on the line for the Lord. And you no longer care what other people might say and think. That the Lord is so important that you would give up the world. Now in some cases, I'm not saying you have to do this. or I'm not trying to guilt you into doing this. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying to the point of even, what about the idea of quitting your job to go serve the Lord? That's some thoughts. Or taking your savings and helping the poor and the sick or supporting missionaries of the church or whatever. I'm just saying, these are just thoughts, ideas of things. But, but what if? What, what about me? What about me? What about you? 
You know the meaning of dying to self is living like you're already dead. Because you gave up the rest of your life for the Lord. That the Lord now owns you. That you died. Died. And he gets the rest of your life. That's what it means. Live like you're dead. And the rest of your life is now for him. All for his glory, for his honor, for his majesty, for his name, for his kingdom. To, to see souls saved. That's what it means. To live by faith, give up, forsake all, follow him fully. When they had brought their ships to land, they, for, they forsook all and followed him. You see, we spend too much time planning for life, but life is uncertain. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We plan for retirement. Not everybody gets there. You might die tomorrow. I might die in five minutes. I could have a heart attack, an aneurysm, or whatever. I don't know. Life's uncertain. My house could burn down. I lose everything. You know, but life's uncertain. But you can't live in fear and worry about this and plan it for the future. You, the, the Bible even says, take no thought of the morrow. Forgetting the things of the past, take no thought of the morrow. Sufficient unto the day, one day at a time. Why are we so self-absorbed and so conceited, self-conceited in thinking and planning for a future when the, the Lord says not to? The Lord says live in the moment as unto him. Give him tomorrow. Give him your future. Give him your life. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to be a disciple? To be able to be used of God of such an extreme, of such, of such a life. That the Lord can use you in every moment of everything. Why would you not want to? Some people say, well, cannot the Lord use me as I am? Can he? Can he really? Can, is the Lord able to use you when you refuse to put the Lord on your mind and all that you do? You get, you get so absorbed in work, you don't witness to co-workers. You don't witness to the people at the gas station, the bus stop, the library, or the grocery store, or, at the, or in the taxi cab. You don't carry tracks with you. you don't even, it doesn't even cross your mind to witness doesn't even cross your mind to kneel down by the poor beggar and to give him some some uh, something to help him and to provide for him and then pray for him. We don't think of that when we refuse to be disciples. We don't think of helping out missionaries and helping the evangelists and helping the church and actually giving up of our substance because it's actually the Lord and the Lord put it on your heart to do it, but we hold it back because, well, my future is more important. Your future's heaven. Build up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt where thieves do not break through and steal. We're not supposed to build up treasure here on earth anyways. Besides, the government's going to get it anyways. You might as well spend it. But the point is to live unto the Lord. Walk like your head is in the clouds because technically it is. Walk like you're already there. In this life, live, walk like you're already there. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to forsake the fish? 
Why would you want to hold on to the boats? Why, why would you refuse to put both feet out on the water like Peter? Oh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Don't live by hypotheticals. Live as unto the Lord. What the Lord has said, what the Lord has said is absolute and determined. Don't presume. Don't assume. Don't guess. Don't live in hypotheticals. Don't play the psychic game of trying to foretell the future. Just live as unto the Lord in, in the moment. Give up. Give up the life. Be free. Live by faith. Live in peace. No fear, no worries, no cares, no anxiety, because he has it all. Oh, 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 the house just burned down. Well, sure, it may be horrible, but hey, it was the Lord's house. I was the caretaker. He'll provide. Don't worry about a thing. The car ran out of gas. The Lord will provide. Hey, this is a new opportunity to, to pray. Give it unto the Lord. Maybe he allowed this to happen for a reason. Give it to the Lord. It was the Lord's anyways. Oh, just got arrested for preaching the gospel. Hey, I'm going to sing the hymns in the jail like Peter and Silas. Maybe maybe there's maybe there's an individual in the jail cell that the Lord brought you here for the reason so you would witness to the to the inmate. The disciple the disciple's first knee-jerk reaction is to give it to the Lord and to take this opportunity of whatever it is that has occurred, whether negative or positive or whatever, that it's an opportunity for the Lord. We stop thinking of ourselves. The disciple does not think of themselves, does not wallow in self, does not think of self, does not give it to self, and dies to self. The disciple is dead and lives only for the Lord, thinks only for the Lord, speaks only for the Lord, builds up and, and holds and stores things for the Lord, not for themselves. They would take the food from their own mouths and give it to the poor. This is what the disciple does. The disciple, if he has two shirts, gives one to the man who has none. The disciple is the one who takes his own glass of cold water and gives it unto someone else who is thirsty because he knows the Lord will provide for himself. The disciple is one who dies to self, gives up the self, surrenders all of self to the Lord. Why would you not want to? Why are we so selfish? Spiritually selfish. Spiritually conceited. We kick God out of circumstances. That the moment something happens to us, we run to self, we run to the doctors, we run to the philosophers, we run to the news, and we're so wrapped up in fear and doubt and worry and stress and anxiety of such loud, loud occasions that we can't even hear the whispering of the still small voice of God. We, we, every corner of our lives, we, we build in huge speakers, blasting things of the flesh and of the world and of self that we can't even hear the Lord yell. We need to clear house. We need to, we need to bring ourselves back to what's truly important. That the early church surrendered everything. Why don't we? Why do we refuse? Why are we so fearful? Where's our faith? Where's our faith? We talk more than we pray. We fear and doubt and worry more than we pray. 
We run to the news more than to the word of God. We run to the philosophers more than the scriptures. We run to man more than God. Why? And then we wonder, we wonder why the state of the church is in such a state as it is. We wonder why there's so many Christians giving up the faith and surrendering, why there's so many worldly Christians, why there's so few disciples. We wonder why when we have the answer staring us in the face. We wonder why the pulpits are failing and churches are closing. We wonder where where is God? Maybe it's because we stayed with the fish. Where is Jesus? See, here's, here's, here's the last the last mental image. Peter stays with the fish. Peter chooses not to follow Jesus. The opportunity passes. Would Jesus, if Peter had refused to follow Jesus, would Jesus have stayed with Peter then? Or would Jesus and the others that decided to go with him, would they have walked away? Peter's left behind. Now, Peter's still saved. But the opportunity passes. Peter, Peter would be wondering, where is Jesus? Well, you let him go. You refuse to follow. Why are you griping and bellyaching and whining and complaining about, about, about where is the power of God when you stayed behind? What do you need to do? Run! Catch up! Leave it behind! Run! Forsake it! Forsake it! Let today be the day of salvation! Fall on your knees right now, right where you are, and surrender your life! Surrender it all! Surrender it all. Stop fighting. Stop wallowing. Stop fearing. Stop stressing. Stop living in the hypothetical. Stop living into this world. Give it all to the Lord right now. Strap your shoes on. Run. He's just over the over the over the hill. He's right there. He's right there. You can reach out and grab him. He's right there. What excuse do you have for not following him? Not being a disciple. Not surrendering your life. Not dying to self. What excuse do you have for holding on to the fish? What excuse? Every single born-again Christian man, woman, and child is called to be a disciple. Every single born-again Christian is called to be a disciple. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. We're all called to be that. We're all called to be servants. We're, we are all called to put our lives on the line. Yeah, it may be fearful. Yes, it may be scary at times. Yes, you may have troubles and trials. Yes, there, there may be struggles. But that's all part and parcel of the calling. That you're willing to go through it for him because you love him that much. And I'm going to really put it in place. 
the only reason only reason that you would not be a disciple of Jesus Christ is because you do not love him that much your life is more important and you love your life more than Jesus your money your wealth your health your power your fame your friends your family your job is more important than the calling of discipleship tell me I'm wrong the only reason you refuse to witness is because you fear man more than God the only reason you would not hand out tracks is because you fear man more than God you do not have faith you fear and worry and worry and worry about your finances and your life and your health and wealth and all this stuff you fear and fear and stress and fret and you're anxious about it because you don't have faith you doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt the promises of God and you allow the fears of flesh, the fear of the devils, the fear of all this stuff to pour into your mind and you wallow in the fear more than faith. That's what happens to Christians who do not walk as disciples. They're refusing to let themselves learn how to overcome fear. That as a disciple, a disciple is one who learns, who walks in the steps of their master. And the, the ones who decide to to overcome self and they want to learn how to grow you're not allowing yourself to you'd rather hold on to the old ways you try to make the old ways the new ways but you can't you can't mesh the old life and the things of flesh into things of spirit that's oil and water the spirit overrides flesh the Lord provides miraculously. He teaches and shows you in ways that the flesh cannot and the world cannot. Why would you want to hold on to that which is frail and that breaks apart and fails you and fades away, rots and rusts, and is stolen and fades and is destroyed? Why would you want to hold on to this life? Die. Give it up. Surrender. Give it to the Lord. Live like it's your last day with the Lord. Die unto the Lord. Surrender unto the Lord. Give it all up for the Lord. Why would you want to hold on to the fish? Too many Christians smell like fish. Because they're trying to hide and hold. They won't give it up. Fish rots. Fish rots. Fish gets smelly. And when Christians hold on to the world and they refuse to surrender and they refuse to walk with their Lord, their faith rots. And you can tell the faithless Christians. The ones who are so racked with fear and doubt and worry and faithlessness, they never speak up or live unto the Lord and they're just going through the motions of traditionalism. It just becomes dry religion. Their faith rots. Their prayers are dead and just regurgitations of lists and there's no faith they fear and worry about everything it's faith of rotting fish but the fresh faith of the disciple that's renewed every day and renewed in the Lord of every moment 
It smells as a sweet-smelling savor of incense unto God. He hears the prayers of the faithful. The Lord is asking you to leave that fish behind. Leave your life behind. Forsake all. Follow him. Abide in him and his word abiding in you. Why would you not want to? Why do we hold on? I heard one preacher put it this way. You know, when the Lord comes again, the second coming of Christ, there's going to be a lot of Christians walking around in heaven with clods of dirt in their hand. You know why? Because the Lord showed up in the, in the clouds and the trump of God sounded and the Lord called us to come up unto him and a lot of Christians immediately just grab a hold of the earth and try to hold on because they don't want to go. The Lord pulls them up and they pull up clods of dirt with themselves. A lot of Christians trying to hold on. Are you going to be one? When you stand before the Lord on that day and he asks you, what did you do for my name's sake? How did you live for the kingdom of God? How did you speak up for Christ? How did you witness? Are there going to be people standing around you on judgment day looking you square in the eye saying, why didn't you tell me? We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty. But we don't have to continue. We can clean our slate. We can let today be the day of salvation of ourselves. Saving ourselves from ourselves. Save yourself from yourself. Surrender unto the Lord. Repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I give up. Lord, I, I, I... Lord, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done resisting. Do with me what thou wilt. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That from this point forward, Lord... My life is yours. My home is yours. Everything of mine is yours. I give it up. My health, my wealth, in, in sickness and in, and in health, in rich or in poor, in life or in death, Lord, I am yours. Do with me what you will. All I ask, O Lord, is that you use me, that, that the rest of my life would bring the honor and glory. Lord, I want to be your disciple. Will you have me? And from this point forward, act on it. It's easy to say. Anyone can say it. Words are cheap. As one other preacher put it, I believe the original sermon was from, was from Charles Spurgeon. I could be wrong. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who had a sermon called Cheap Crosses. Cheap Crosses. Is your cross a cheap cross where you just you call upon him but you refuse to polish it, you refuse to, to, to love it, you refuse to, to hold it as something va valuable to yourself? Is it just something you put on the bookshelf on the car dash? Or is it something you carry with yourself? Is it just a $2, two-bit cross? What type of cross are you carrying? To forsake all and follow him has a lot more of a deeper meaning 
than what we than what we can think. There's so much value in the name of Christ and we squander it. There are so many people in our mission field around us and we're letting them go to hell. What are we doing with the last days we have left? We have no idea how much time we have. And as Mordecai said to Esther, perhaps thou wert brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Is it possible that the Lord has such a job for you, but you're refusing to put on the apron? That just over the hill is a great mission field of work for, that the Lord has called for you, but you're refusing to get up off your chair. You're refusing to go to the graduation hall and actually go and apply it and live it. Too many Christians are content to stay in the pews and refusing to go out into the pulpits of the world, the street corners, the gas stations, the bus stops. Those are your pulpits. All men, women, and children are called to be, to be witnesses and called to be disciples of Christ, evangelists and witnesses of his word. We are all called to be able to share the gospel everywhere and anywhere. Why would we not want to? All Christians are called to surrender their lives unto the Lord, but they are refusing. Why would we not want to? Why are you staying with the boat of rotting fish? You see, here's the other thing. I know I said before that was the last thing. This is the last thing. I promise. We can grow accustomed, accustomed to smell. That something will smell bad. It smells really bad. It really bothers us. But the longer we're around it, the more you get accustomed to it, to the point where you no longer smell it or even notice it at all. Other people can, will come around and they'll smell it and like, oh, what's that smell? And you're like, what? I don't even notice it. Is it possible you don't smell the rotting fish? Maybe you should ask someone else. Maybe you should ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to reveal to you if it's possible in your life. Is there something in your life that you're trying to hold on? Is your faith starting to smell up? Do you need to refresh it? Ask the Spirit of God within you to reveal to you if there's anything in your life. You're trying to hold on or there's something wrong something going against his word or against the ways of the Lord we can get accustomed to smell just some thoughts Luke chapter 5 verse 11 what does it mean to forsake all and follow him And why would you not want to?
that's the study for today. So hope that this has been challenging. It's a bit of a wake up. Like I said, like spiritually grabbing ourselves by the shoulders and shaking ourselves into reality again. To take a deep breath and face reality. Spiritual reality. We can get so accustomed and climatized to the ways of the world, we forget that there's an entirely other reality out there. Our calling. We get so caught up in life and busyness and news and politics and everything else that we get we get so caught up in the things of this world we forget what's most important. I am in no way putting down the importance and seriousness of other things. All I'm trying to do is raise the importance of Christ. That we kind of push the Bible and the faith to the back burner. We don't deny it. We don't say it's not important. It's just that we're not paying attention to it. Because these other things are more fun, more emotional. They, they, they tick the boxes of fleshly entertainment more. We're still holding on to the Lord, but we're looking at this. We need to reorganize our lives reorganize our faith we need to leave the fish we need to remember our calling we need to take Christ seriously we need to study the meaning of a disciple and we need to consider it why would you not want to that's all alright So with that, I hope that this has been an encouragement, a help, a charge. I hope this has stoked you. I hope that this has brought things to light that will help you to understand the importance of following Christ. And what it meant to Peter. We forget to think of the mental state, the emotional state. What, what, what's between the lines, so to speak? We read about this, these men. We kind of put the, the, the disciples on pedestals and we, we failed to forget that they were just people like us. That they would have had doubts and fears and worries and stresses and anxieties just like us. What was going through their mind when the Lord called them? You think of Matthew, the tax collector. He left his money behind. This greedy miser Scrooge of a man left it all behind for the Lord all the money and the wealth and the power Peter left the fish some people have a, have more than others that they leave behind more other people have more that they give to the Lord but they're all equal in the eyes of God don't judge your walk with the Lord by other people's standings we're all equal Worry not, doubt not, fear not, stress not, be anxious for nothing, care not, fret not, fear not. Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. How? I will teach you. Don't worry about the how. One day at a time. Take no thought of the morrow. Sufficient unto it is... It, it, the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Forgetting the things of the past. 
choose you this day. One day at a time. One step of it at a time. One tick of the clock at a time. So. God bless you, folks. Thank you so much for joining in. Give this some thought. And if you appreciate these studies, please give this a like as a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit notification bell icons. You only put up new videos. And check out all our other content. we got tons of stuff on tons of different topics and questions and doctrines and commonly asked questions. Tons of stuff over there in our playlist. Check it out as well, folks. Please make sure you check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. we got tons of stuff over there as well and links to all our other platforms. And you can contact us from our website as well if you got any questions. And... Yeah, so there you go. So God bless you. Make sure to share this around. Rewatch this. Give us a like. Help other people to know. Wake the Christians up. It's time for us to wake up. The days are coming short. The Lord is coming soon. We need to get busy. Get busy about the things of God. Take the faith seriously. Start praying like we mean it. Start trusting like we mean it. So there you go. So forsake all. Forsake it all. Everything. Hold on to nothing. How can you carry your cross if your hands are full? How can you speak for the Lord if your mouth is full of other things? Fill your mind with the word of God. Live as unto the Lord. Give it all to the Lord. It's about time we wake up and take the faith seriously. So give it some thought. So God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love and obey his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.